Hello and welcome to Bobblehead Podcast. We're glad you're here. We have a really fun conversation. Davin's been gone for a week or two, I guess two, two and a half weeks and uh, doing some army stuff. So we, we talk about that and we talk about his time away and kind of what he was doing. And then we kind of go back into uh, the last 23 years of his army career and talk about things that, that uh, were meaningful to him or things that he learned or there are takeaways uh, from that. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It was really good. Knowing Davin, I know how meaningful those things are to him and those are meaningful to me too. So I hope you get a lot out of them and uh, we're glad you're here. Justin took away my mug when Justin sat here. Away. She didn't want him getting. Yeah, that's right. He's got a COO. Only COO. Get on my level, Justin. Get on my. Were we being recorded the whole time you were trying to fix? I don't think so. Are we? (laughs) That's even better. I wish we would have had it on video. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Musings of a madman. (laughs) Musings of a lot of things. (laughs) Madman is just one of. Hey, uh, all of the above. Yeah. So, um, first of all, let me be the first one to welcome you back. Yeah, man. It's, it's been a minute since we've done one of these. Since you have. Yeah, since I have. Yeah, so I had Justin here last week before last or last week or whatever it was. So we hadn't shot one in a while, and so you were going to be gone. And so we had Justin come in, and I think, I think we've only dropped one of those. So I think we're dropping the other one today. Okay. So for, for context, today is Wednesday, so we're dropping one today and then we're recording today we used to record on mondays but yeah but hey we're off our cadence tis tis the season yeah and and like i didn't get a chance to listen to the the first one that justin did but like by default it's got to be better it's a low bar (laughs) well but i'm sure he it was was different you know justin has a very soothing voice we were just talking about that before we started recording um with sophie and brendan and uh he has so he justin called me so justin you're probably listening to this so yeah i'm talking about you um, he called me. He's like, man, my voice just it just don't sound like I'm. He said I'm sound really soft. So I'm like, well, I'll check. So we checked levels and everything. And I went and listened to it. And I'm like, dude, you just have a really your voice, your voice is like very soothing and consistent. And I'm like, it's 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 just different, right? <laughs> but it's really good. And yeah, my- and it goes along with what I was talking to him about. I said, you know, you're just you're always just like this. You're always steady. And part of it, I think, is his voice is steady. Yeah. So my voice has been described as a lot of things, but um, soothing and steady. I don't think are I don't think are two of those. I don't think I would use soothe or steady. No. About any part of your life. <laughs> about. No. In fact, the, <laughs> I, the opposite. I think is a, is a, a you know, pretty fair statement. And uh, you, you'll be like me though. If it was smooth and steady, it'd be boring. Absolutely. Life. Life in general. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. So so tell everybody where you've been. I kind of told oh, them that you man. were down at Fort Hood, but yeah. So tell everybody what's been going on with you down down at Fort Hood for the last two and a half weeks. Um, or Fort, whatever it's called, now. Fort Cavazos. Now, you know, they're doing this kind of big push to rename probably seven or eight bases, mm-hmm. you know, and get them away from names that I guess had ties to the Confederacy and they're renaming them after, you know, impactful, you know, leadership of the last, I don't know, 40, 50 years. Will we see a Camp Marceau? Or yeah, <laughs> you know what? Back to that smooth and steady thing. <laughs> I, I think I think we're safe from from seeing Camp or Fort Marceau okay. or, uh, or otherwise. But anyway, yeah, Fort Hood, they're renaming it after Fort Cavazos or renaming it to Fort Cavazos. And he was the first Latin American four-star general. Oh, wow. So yeah, and you know, Hood was, he was a Confederate general that was on the, the Western Front in the Confederate War or the, in the Civil War. So okay. again, just it's a name change. Whatever, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I was there for the last couple of weeks. Um, it was my retirement year from the military, and um, 
So I had to, there, there's a kind of a date that they draw on the sand and you have to have all of your, your good time in your good year in before that date. So I can get my retirement letter and then retire by October. Right. So what, what does that mean? Good, good time, good year. Good, good year means you, you on the guard or the reserve side, there's so many days that you have to spend doing it. Right. Now, and now are you guard or you reserve? I'm guard. Okay. And you know, one of them is, they're similar, but different. One of them is federal. The reserve is a federal force. And the National Guard is actually a state state okay. level force. So you're right? part of Texas National Te- Guard. Texas Army National Guard. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, so anyway, you have to have so many years done in in that calendar year to to constitute what's called a good year, mm-hmm. and you have to have 20 good years in order to be able to retire, mm-hmm. right? And you know, if you depending on the points that you accumulate, and it's basically every day that you spend on drill status or active status in the Guard is is considered one day on active duty. So the amount of deployments you do, the amount of training you do, the amount of schooling you do, all has an impact on the amount of points that you accrue mm-hmm. throughout the course of your career. And then those points count towards how much retirement money that you that you get, Okay, right? And for me, I was active for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And so my retirement will be close to the same retirement as though, you know, at, at 20 years of, you know, counterpart that spent 20 years on active. So oh, that's wow. pretty much what, what, I, okay. what I was doing. Um, okay. You know, I'm, I'm at the schoolhouse down there, uh, the Regional Training Institute, and they do, we do the majority of the training um, for this kind of region of the country in uh, infantry, armor, and um, artillery for senior non-commissioned officers um, for, for their training for the next level. So I'm the quality assurance guy, so I kind of make sure that all the training is conducted in accordance with doctrine, safety, right. et cetera. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not super high intensity, which is awesome because of the flexibility it gives me right. with every you know, damn thing else I have going on in my life. Um, <laughs> slow and steady. Right. Um, so, you know, that two and a half weeks I spent, honestly, the majority of the time were exceptionally busy on the access side. Yeah. So sitting in an army uniform in a barracks room on Fort Cavazos by myself doing access work, which was interesting for conversations. I'd jump on a call with people and they're, they'd see me in an army uniform. Like, what the heck are you yeah. doing? And, and, and one of the things you have to know about, about, uh, a Davin is when he goes down there, he has to be clean shaven. Shave, so yeah. if you haven't seen Davin or seen him on YouTube, um, so he's usually fairly clean shaven on top, mm-hmm. but in the front, it's yeah. usually got a little, little scruff going yeah. on. And that's, and what's funny is cause that's what I know you as that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've always known you as that. And so when you're completely clean shaven, you, you don't look like the same person. No, I don't. Well, and the problem I mean, is, when, when, when you shave your eyebrows, that's what does it for me. <laughs> right. I mean, like, looked like one of those. Remember, I am Legend that movie, like one of those like vampire creatures that like stay in the darkness. Yeah, I look like one of those things. And in fairness, yeah. I really should stay in the darkness when I look like that. But here's this is what I can't figure out is when I when I have to shave for the army, like. I got to get a different razor or something because I keep shaving off my jawline. So <laughs> I got to figure out what the heck's going on. It grows on with that. back so quickly. It, it does. Yeah. As soon as the facial hair comes back, I'm, I'm able to have a jawline. Again. I didn't think it's about the that. Darnest but that is thing. true. Yeah. yeah. So it, one of the things we did, I, I'm going to somewhat take credit because I ordered it, but I might gave it to you, is, was the whenever you, the, the, it's not etch a sketch, but it's the little guy you buy. It's got a plastic, a paper backing. Oh, yeah. And you've got this kind of bald guy and you've got these little metal shavings. And you've got a little pin with a magnet and you kind of pull the hair up like on his face mm-hmm. or his, you know, make a, a mustache or put hair on his head. It's a lot like what you look like whenever everything's yeah, done. Just, it's just gone. And then all of a sudden you put a little shavings up there and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, you, that's, you get your, your physical personality back. Right. And you can have a mustache. In you the can? Army. Yeah. But it can't extend past the corners of your mouth. 
Oh, that. That's that would be a, that. I think you. I think you did well then, just not doing it. It looks awful. There's yeah. there's there's no such thing as a good army mustache, and it can't extend like beyond the beyond the the upper lip. Like it looks like. I'm just gonna. It looks like a Hitler mustache. Yeah, that's what it looks like. See that, or maybe a little Freddie Mer- Freddie Mercury. Or, right, yeah. and I, I I don't want to be on either one of those spectrums. Yeah, as it is all encompassing. I just yeah. don't want to be that. Just no, and it just doesn't look good. Yeah, so I'm stuck. You know, having to just be clean shaven, and again, like my family's horrified. I don't know any other way to call it other than just <laughs> sheer horror. Like when I walk out of the bathroom and they're like, Oh my, like the dogs yeah. bark, you know, like Lisa cries, <laughs> like the kids, like, like want a paternity test. Like it yeah. just causes total chaos around my house <laughs> when I have to shave my face to go to you, army stuff. You have a safe word you can use to make sure everybody knows it is you. It, honestly, like I really do try to, if, if I have to leave super early in the morning, which I often do to, to make the three hour drive down there, I like in the dark of the night, I all do, do it, you know, and like I cry. I try not to cry too much because then it takes the shaving cream away. But you know, like I just I, I weep a little bit and then <laughs> become clean shaven and, and and off I go to Fort Cavazos to uh, so, hopefully never be seen again. So uh, what was it? So let's talk quickly about um, kind of what the significance of this last trip. Yeah, uh, and kind of uh, why you were there that long and what what does that mean as far as when it comes to retirement and all that. Yeah, you know, that'll be the last, call it annual training, the two-week portion that I have to do before my retirement year, or before I retire. So, you know, this being my retirement year, I'll I'll go, you know, sporadically a couple more times over the course of some weekends to do some final evaluations. But a lot of it is just, I'm ramping up towards retirement now. Wow. Um. Yeah, 23 years total, 60, 15, 15 active, almost 16 active, and 23 years total will be will be the number when uh when I retire. So um, it's... It's wild. So, so when you went in and, and we've talked on the podcast a little bit about kind of you going into the army and kind mm-hmm. of what that looked like and why and all that, would you ever would have dreamed that you'd be 23 years in and be where you are and look back and go, I can't believe I served that much time. Just not only, not only in the reserve or guard, but also the active time you had. I mean, that's pretty Man. incredible. You would never ever dream that, would you? No, not in a million years. And again, for me, it was, it was, you know, kind of figuring out what my future looked like, you know, mm-hmm. because I knew that, you know, again, after you get a 1.9 and a 0.11 for your first two semesters <laughs> in college, and I was cordially invited to never return again, it's really just kind of figuring out, do I want to go be a ranch hand or do I want to go be something else, right? right? And I didn't even know what my future looked like in the military. I just knew that it was it was an opportunity. And so I went, you know, kind of by necessity, is mm-hmm. I, I think it's fair to say. But then I got there and, you know, you talk about those those moments in your life when you realize you are exactly where you need to be. Yeah, it was like I was born again when when I mm. when I got to the military and I started doing my my thing in infantry basic training. Like I, I'd never felt more comfortable or in my skin or in my environment in my entire life. Why do you think that is? You know, I, just a situation where your merits and your effort and physical and otherwise constitute success. Like it really is. It's People think this military is kind of this big complex animal, but when you distill it down to the individual level, it's so incredibly simplistic. And you have the ability to control your level of success by your level of, of output. And there's there was nothing more seemingly complex, but nothing more simple that I'd ever been a part of in my entire life. It was me, and it was a bunch of dudes that were trying to get to the same place as me and, and learn how to be infantrymen. And the more I tried and the harder I worked at PT at shooting a rifle at, you know, at doing squad level tactics, the better I got and the more successful I was. So I'm like, holy cow. Like I, I knew that I was where I needed to be to be successful for, you know, then it was just the, the near term, but I didn't realize it was for really for the rest of my life. So 
I guess the question I have is, you know, when you go in the military, especially the beginning, I mean, you're, it's all encompassing. Like you don't, especially in initial training, you don't leave, like you're no. there. And so that is 24 seven, your life. Yeah. Did you find that helped in that part of your life to have that? Yeah. You know, they, they certainly know what they're doing. And of course this was in 19, this was 2000. Um, Oh gosh. Yeah. It, it, was, makes me feel really it was 2000. Yeah. So this was really pre cell phones were a thing, but they weren't really that big of a, you know, so how old were you? I was 19, 18. I was 18. 2000. Yeah. Cause I graduated at 17 and then I went, um, to college for a year. Okay. So no, I was, I was 19. So yeah, okay. I was 19. Okay. Um, but there's no exposure to the outside world. There's every basic training company area has a telephone, a bank of like paid telephones, mm -hmm. but you get access to them like once every three weeks. So you talk to your family once every couple of weeks, yeah. you get that initial phone call and you're so submerged and immersed in not just the training, but like the cultural and like mind mentality reset that it takes to become a soldier, right? Mm -hmm. Because it really is like the breaking down of your old self and then being born again, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it sounds dramatic when you say it like that, but it really truly is. And, and exposure to the outside world only corrupts that process so that they, they know what they're doing and they know yeah. how to create soldiers. And a lot of that has to be from isolation. Yeah. I don't know with, I, I've always heard that they allow cell phones and more outside exposure to the world. Now I can't imagine what that experience would have looked like mm -hmm. if I would have had the ability to have the, the outside world or my past injected into that, mm -hmm. into that experience. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it would have been the same. So did, were there, were there a lot of people there that were just like you that, that kind of had had some of the same, I mean, I know there's some yeah. people that like they wanted to go in, they knew from young age, they wanted to go in. Um, but then there's you who said, Hey, this is an opportunity for me. I'm not going to go back to school. Um, so were there other people yeah. like you trying to do the same thing or yeah. trying to figure it out? Yeah. It's an interesting cross section of society, right? You do have, you know, kind of the people that are from military families. And I was, I didn't know it at the time, but I, mm -hmm. but I was also, but then there's the, the JR OTC cats and those guys are kind of a completely different, different weird animal. Yeah. Right. Um, but, the, and you had guys that were like had college education they were going to the military after their college education. Okay. That was a small group, but then there was yeah. a whole lot of guys like me, yeah. like, dude, what am I doing? Like, yeah. what am I doing with my life? Like, yeah. let's go figure something out. <laughs> and so in, in you go, yeah. right. And yeah. you go there knowing that you have to find something. You just don't know what that something is. Right. Right. And you hope through the job that you choose, the MOS that you choose in the army that you're going to find it. And you just kind of go in just, eyes wide open and yeah. figure it out in the process. So when you sign up, you're committing to, when you were there for sure, you committed to how long? Four years. Four years. Yeah. So do you think it helped knowing that, okay, I'm committed to this. I'm in this for four years. I'm going to, I'm going to make the most of this because you, you don't have a choice, right? Yeah, maybe. And I don't think you're wrong there. I just, I don't think anybody puts that much thought into it because it really is just getting from one day to the next, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, you have somebody else dictating and controlling your, your life. And uh, so you're just you're just getting through it, yeah. and I think when you when you get done and you look back on it, you have some of those reflective moments. Right. But in honesty, it's like you and a bunch of other guys that are going through the same kind of in the moment crappy experience, like sharing some sort of trauma bond. Yeah. And at the end of it, like you're like a family. Yeah. And and they become. I mean, there's guys to this day that I still talk to yeah. that I haven't seen in 20 years, but we're, we're friends on social media and yeah. and still kind of exchange random stories about what it was like in basic training. For really. 23 years ago. I always said, you know, there's, there's something about those that suffer together, stay together. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's, when you're, when you go through something very physical or mentally difficult with other 
especially for men, right? Mm-hmm. You go through with other men, um, there's something that bonds you. Yeah. And even if you have nothing in common with them, that you have that bond. Um, that's, that's always kind of interesting, kind of cool. Well, in the intensity of the experience, because for me, you know, like I didn't get out of basic training and then go to my, to my unit. I went to airborne school and I went to the Ranger indoctrination program and made it through that. And like those bonds, the, the more intense of the experience, the tighter the bond got. Right. Yeah. Again, I think psychology calls that a trauma bond. Right. And I don't yeah. think that they talk about that fondly, but in the military, it's a, <laughs> right. it's a positive it's a thing, positive right? Thing. Because it's, it's shared suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, looking back, I don't remember what it felt like in those moments and in, in the, the intense suffering, but I remember what my bond with those guys felt like. And yeah. I remember what it felt like to, to sick, to successfully complete a task uh-huh. with those guys. Yeah. Right. So again, you know, like there are, a, there's a person or two that I still interact with in basic training, but the guys that I went through rip with the guys that I went to ranger school with and some yeah. of the other subsequent training, they're like family to me. That and I cannot sense. see those guys for 10 years. And I'll step back in a room with them and we go back to making fun of each other like we did when we were, you know, in, <laughs> in right Kandahar, Afghanistan in yeah. 2002, you know, and yeah. it's just, it's funny the way that that works. Um, yeah. yeah. So kind of looking back over the last 23 years, and I, I don't want this to be a big to do, but at the same time, I'd love to know some, some of your, some of your biggest takeaways from either memories that really meant something to you over the last 23 years, or maybe one or two things that you learned there that you still use daily or weekly or often. Yeah. You know, in, in terms of the memories, there's, there's so many, and that's honestly a a different podcast, but in terms of the takeaways, the the number one thing that I've learned is like, nobody, nobody owes you anything. And you have the ability physically, mentally, emotionally, um, spiritually to set the terms and conditions of your own life and be able to, to go get it by your own bootstraps, by your own effort, by your own volition. And I, I learned that from the day that I got to basic training. And it's something that got me through every iteration of training that I went to. It's something that got through, got me through every deployment that I went to is looking back. It was, it was me and it was other guys just trying really hard and caring and loving about each other, loving each other, like family that got us through it. Nobody, we didn't make it through a training iteration. We didn't make it through a combat deployment because somebody owed us something. Right. We did it on our own and we yeah. did it through our own effort. And being able to look back on that and reflect on that is one of the things that I carry forward into the corporate world and you've probably seen seen it happen time and time again. It's it's just hard work and it's just dedication to the task. It's dedication to the mission. It's the dedication to the man that ultimately gets you through and you are owed nothing. Yeah, that's really cool. That's interesting. So I, I, I wouldn't have thought that, but it makes sense when you say that. Yeah, and, and I, again, this is kind of a different tangent, but one of the things that I think is corrupt at a generation of veterans is this thank me for my service culture. Mm-hmm. And again, that's a super deep topic, topic to go into, but mm-hmm. it, inadvertently the American public gave the veteran community and the active, even the active duty com, uh, community, a sense of entitlement, mm-hmm. a sense that, that we were owed something after we did this thing mm-hmm. and, and it was damaging. And I think we're, it's taken a long time, but I think we're working through that as a community mm-hmm. by, by way of accountability to each other. Mm-hmm. But we got this false sense of security that when I get out, I'm going to get a six figure job because I serve my country. Right. It's like, no, you're not. You're going to, you're going to get out and get a six figure job if you use the, the entitlement that you signed up for, i.e. The, the GI Bill, and put a whole lot of work into learning a subject matter expertise mm-hmm. and a domain expertise and apply the same intangibles that got you through ranger school, if you apply that same mentality and that same tenacity in conjunction with education, that's what's going to get you a six-figure job, right. not not somebody thanking you for your service and giving you a handout because you're not yeah. going to be good at it anyway. Right, right. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. So, so what, what else did you... 
what what is probably talk about memories you've probably got a million of them but you know if you were think back to your military career and think of and they can be highlights or lowlights but what what are the one or two days or moments that you look back on and and, and have very solid memories of <laughs> i remember the ranger indoctrination program it's called rasp now um and it's a it's it was a four week long including zero week um, course to basically weed out people that are trying to make it into the 75th Ranger Regiment. And, <laughs> I think I remember the story. Oh God, in in the the first week you're just you're in garrison as they call it, mm-hmm. and you're you're going through training, but it's basically just a whole lot of physical training just trying to weed people out. Mm-hmm. The second week they take you out to a place called Coal Range, and anybody who is is from the active duty component that spent time on Fort Benning that either was or endeavored to be a Ranger knows a lot about Coal Range, and it's basically just an area where they take you for. Land navigation, you do a lot of land navigation. When you're not doing land navigation, they had what was called the pit of woe. And the pit of woe was a very <laughs> uncomfortable place. And um, so when you went to do land navigation, there were there were certain items that you had to have on you at all times. Two-quart canteen that was slung across your chest and then a, a, a basically a sling rope that was slung across your chest as well. And then a rubber duck. And the rubber duck was basically a, a fake M4, fake M16. Mm-hmm. And everything had to be, you, those were accountable items, right? And so you'd go to the instructor and you'd get your points and you'd have your map and your compass and your protractor, and you'd sit down, plot your points, and off you'd go on land navigation. Yeah. So, you know. Your points, you mean waypoints, right? That's what yeah, way, yeah, waypoints, right? Yeah. And so, like, I'm plotting my points, and I take off, and I get to the second point, and I'm thirsty. Mm-hmm. And I reach out and grab my two-quart canteen, and it's not there. And I realized in that moment that I left it at the, on the sandbags outside of the instructor tent where I'd gotten my points. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm in it now, dude. Yeah. And so I find my points and, and I remember the dread that I felt walking back. But but again, I'm trying to make time too. And a right. lot of people fail land nav. Mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest attrition events that happen um, in Rip or Asp. And I get there and they look at me and they're like, hey, uh, they hold it up. Instructor yeah. holds it up. And, and, you, like, and you know, yeah. It's like, is uh missing something? And so I, I passed. Fortunately, I passed. But I spent the next, and it was driving rain. It was cold. It was February. And we're low crawling on this kind of gravel road that half circles around coal range in the pit of woe. And we were low crawling, which means, you know, you're on your belly face, face in like low crawling along this road. And we're going through this mud puddle and the instructor kept pushing my head down in the mud puddle and we're going and we're going. And finally he just crouches beside me. It's like, Marceau, like you don't, you don't have to do this. Just quit dude. Like the guys and the people that would quit were actually across the road in warm clothes, in sleeping bags, eating pizza by a fire. It, a stone's throw away from from the candidates that are yeah. still in it trying trying to to make it through this thing and for 20 minutes he's in my ear dude just quit like it's not a big deal like you can we'll send an 82nd airborne you go to you can go to italy to the 173rd you can you you don't have to do this and i remember in my mind that was the galvanizing moment for me really is i'm like i don't have to be here i want to be here wow and from that moment forward there was never a moment in my military career that i took for granted there was never a moment where I thought that this is something that I could quit, that this is something that I can't do because I realized I had the choice. I had the choice every single day to become and and stay a top tier soldier. Not I didn't do that every day, right? We all have shortcomings, in, sure. but I was able to generally have a career where I was able to live out a dream for the, the most young kids. When they think about what it's like to be an army ranger, I was that guy Yeah, and it was all by choice. And it was like that galvanizing event, that moment in time that made me realize that that was what I wanted to be, not what I had to be or what I could be. It was a choice you made. Mm-hmm. It was a choice. And and you think and you think about that one moment. You think about you had it a twenty minute in that's twenty minutes you had a decision to make. And what's cool to me is you made that decision and and it's like 
we talk about on the podcast a lot and I talk about is, you know, you don't gain wisdom except through adversity. Mm -hmm. And so when you made that decision, that was a galvanizing moment, not just for that, but in your life. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm curious, you know, how many times do you get into something that's hard or difficult that you don't know that you don't think you can do that whatever, whatever was put in your head that day, there's something that triggers that says, I'm not going to quit because I, this is something I need to do. Look, it, it happens all the time. I mean, I, it had implications on when I'm up at 2 a.m. finishing my MBA. Yeah. It had implications when I'm making the transition to the corporate world and I'm scared as hell and I don't know. I have this big opportunity at hand, but I don't know exactly how I'm going to do it. Yeah. had implications when I first came to Access and was dealing with a lot of the internal issues that, that, that we had five years ago, right? Those, those moments happen all the time, right? And because I'm not a quitter, because I know that, again, my own hard work, my own dedication to the mission to the men is, is going to create ultimate success. I'm able to recall that moment, maybe not overtly, but certainly in the back of my mind, because I realize that that's just not who I am. Yeah. I'm not a quitter. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and very few people, there's a lot of people that come to that conclusion, but very few people that are driven to that conclusion, like you were that day. Yeah. You know, I mean, you were in something that, that, you know, there was somebody next to you telling you to quit inadvertently hoping that you wouldn't. Right. And, you know, we deal with a lot of stuff, but there's never, there's very few times people are in our ear going, just quit, just quit. It's ourselves saying that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in your mind, you were probably like, gosh, this, I, I don't want to do this. It's somebody telling you, you don't have to do this, but then getting past both of those things and doing it, I'm sure completely galvanized that. Yeah. And when you think about it, nobody can make you quit anything. Yeah. Nobody can, it's, if you have that self doubt mm -hmm. and if you have that fear, mm -hmm. somebody injecting the, uh, the option or the opportunity for you to do that is, is, is what's going to allow you to step through that door and, and yeah. end up bringing that bell. Right. Yeah. If, if you feel like you want to quit, all it takes is that one catalyzing event to where you're going to quit. But if, if, if your mind is galvanized like against it and all you see is the path to success and the implications that it has outside of that exact moment, it just, just makes it better. Yeah. And you know, I think about times where I've not quit. And so many times it's been when someone tells me that I can, yeah. you know, and you and I met at CrossFit and that was one of the things that, you know, do people encourage you? And that was okay. I hated when people did that, that bugged me. Um, but when somebody came up to me and knew me well and said, you can't do three more, you know, <laughs> that, that's the stuff that like, you know, Oh yeah. Yeah. Watch, you know, I may die through this, but I'm going to prove you wrong. And you know, I, there's something in, in everyone and I'm, I'm a man. So I know it's in a, a man's heart to prove people wrong. To, don't tell me I can't do something because I'm going to prove you wrong. We can get a lot of people into trouble by doing that to them. Right. Oh man. But, but, uh, shame them into things. But, um, anyway, there's something there in us to do that. So, but to finish up, you know, is there any other memory or anything else that you learned from your 23 years in the military that, that you want to share? No, I think that's good. I mean, we could sit and do a five hour long podcast, but, um, I think we captured it pretty good. I, I just want to say for the, on behalf of all oh, the, the listeners that, on the podcast, Bobblehead podcast, we just want to say thank you for your service <laughs> for 23 years of service and serving our you're, country. You're and welcome for <laughs> cloaking you in a blanket of freedom. <laughs> and just for the, the listeners to know years. there's nothing I could, oh I could kick Davin right between the legs and he would, he would 
not hate that as much as me saying that. Yeah, so that's, I would, I would that's rather, why I'm saying it. So yeah, it actually made my forehead sweat. <laughs> but, but I will say this, um, I've learned a lot from you and I've learned a lot, uh, from your stories. And there's a lot of stories that you've told me of stuff that we can't share on the podcast. Um, my, I thought what I thought you were going to share, and I'm not going to go into it. Was the guy who fell? This is you say Ranger on the way down. <laughs> okay, right? you, yeah. you, you don't have to share that one, but it's not a bad story. It's just a kind of a gruesome story. But you know, stuff like that. That um, you know, all the people in your life that tell you stories about their life, you bring into your life, and they mean something. And so, so many of your military stories of of you know you teaching me things about you being taught on the battlefield you know, when you were over in Afghanistan and Iraq and those areas that, man, I, I remember those things and, and those things either motivate me or teach me things. So thank you for sharing those things with me, um, that you may not, you may have thought they were interesting stories, but you didn't know they were meaningful, but they have been meaningful to me. So I appreciate you being open enough to share those things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and any listeners that are, you know, veterans or active duty or even consider going in the military that want to want to share their stories we'd love to hear it right and and plus it takes the pressure off me to have to tell the stories <laughs> so love love for you guys to reach out and uh, and share your stories as well well we're glad you're back from uh, two and a half weeks and uh we hope you're i think retire in october or so yeah, give totally, or take. Yeah. that'd be a cool day we'll celebrate that yeah it'll be fun um but uh we're glad to have you back and and man we, we wish you when you're not here appreciate it all right till next time all right till next time